Chelsea Fairless, and welcome back to another And Just Like That recap episode. This episode is again brought to you by Zip. Zip is a leading global buy now, pay later app accepted at thousands of retailers in store and online, which allows you to pay for your purchases over time. Yeah, I've been feeling a very strong urge to purchase an enormous sun hat to wear in my sparsely decorated modern apartment. And I will be using Zip to buy my very own gigantic leather backpack like Miranda Hobbs. And speaking of gigantic things, Chelsea, I couldn't help but notice you are holding a gigantic water bottle right now. One I have seen one Miss Khloe Kardashian <laughs> use on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It's the giant one that has like motivational <laughs> sentences for every... Yeah, I am that bitch. I just bought this from Amazon. You should probably like take me out back and put me out of my misery. You are cradling it like a child and I actively hate you. It makes me look like an adult baby because it's <laughs> so big and it has, well, it doesn't have a full rubber nipple like it might as well. She's sipping it right now, guys. I mean... Look, I don't like New Year's resolutions. I really despise January culture in general. I think it's really <laughs> oppressive, especially during a time when everyone's just trying to do their best. But I was like, the least I can do is try and drink more water. Although I've learned that I hate water. Like, water is disgusting. Have you tried it? Yeah, I'm drinking it right now out of a glass that I refill throughout the day like a normal person, Chelsea. Okay, well, I love a Topo Chico. I love a Spindrift. Like, I love that kind of water, but this kind of water is, like, actually disgusting. Also, it's making me sick. Like, <laughs> I've started getting headaches since I've started drinking this full bottle of water, and I Googled it, and water poisoning is a thing. <laughs> It happens when your cells get too hydrated and they expand and then it happens to the cells in your brain and it starts pressing against your cranium and gives you a low-grade headache, which I basically had for the last week. You're still clutching it and <laughs> sipping it. I just want to say, Chelsea is one of those people that for years was like, I do hydrate because I drink LaCroix. And I think you've just gone off the deep end in many respects, but just you're <laughs> drinking too much water. You need to ease into actually drinking water water. Yeah, like I need to start with just drinking like a glass of water a day and then work my way up to so this. So I'm sorry, what level are you at? You've already passed good morning. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at where I should be for the time. Actually, I'm ahead of schedule. I'm at 11 a.m. and it's only it's only 10 <laughs> I'm at the um, remember your goal part of the, the motivational water bottle. Chelsea, are you a that girl? Are you doing like free YouTube Pilates workouts in the morning and not telling me about it? Uh, I'm not quite there yet in my wellness journey, but anything's possible. I should stop being so bitchy because before we get into this episode, Chelsea and I made a decision and we want to try something new for this week, which is not being total cunts. Yeah, we're going to try and not be cunts this week because while we always want to be really honest with you guys, we also don't want to be trolls. And obviously, we have a lot of opinions about and just like that. But as we've said before, it's ultimately a show that we enjoy and we want that to come through on the podcast. 
And sometimes it doesn't if recent calls to the hotline are any indication, so we're going to try something different. We may fail, we may go back to being total bitches next week, but today we are going to try to be our best selves. As the great Melania Trump once said, be best. So before we recap the episode, we're going to have a chat with New York City's hottest it girl, Dan Clay, a.k.a. Carrie Dragshaw. For those not in the know, Miss Dragshaw is a Carrie Bradshaw-themed impersonator, and Dan is one of the nicest people we know. So what better way to start our kindness journey than chatting with him? Let's do it. Hello, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, thank you. I am an ardent admirer of the pod, and you always articulate exactly what I'm thinking but didn't have the words for, like, great authors. So... Oh, thank you. We love a compliment. <laughs> so we obviously know this because we've known you for years, but can you explain to our audience how you became Miss Carrie Dragshaw? I know. Well, it started on a completely fortuitous Halloween of 2016. And I dressed up like Carrie Bradshaw for Halloween with precisely zero aspirations for internet acclaim. And I posted a picture online and to, in a way that I still don't really understand because I had like 14 followers. Um, it went crazy viral. All of these, I got like comments from different countries and HBO and Sarah Jessica Parker. And it was totally crazy. Um, and so I posted another picture just kind of for my friends to say, like, oh, wasn't that bizarre how I went viral yesterday on Halloween? Um, another Carrie picture. And that also went viral. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm a drag queen now. And I don't know how much you remember about October 2016, but it was right going into the election. Um, and it was just a dark, <laughs> intense time on the internet. So I thought, you know, maybe this is my chance to spread a little love and sunshine, never thinking that now, like six years later, would still be doing it but it's just been so fun that, that it was always kind of the question of why stop and now we have all of this new joy to have fun with so lovely to see you hello hi <laughs> so while you cosplay as carrie your real job is more big-esque you are a finance bro of some kind that much we know <laughs> yes. so please remind us what exactly do you do again and what do your straight male colleagues think about this side hustle right i mean like mr big i will not i will just keep abstractly money related um no i do um, in consulting um but also related to miranda's recent plot line i had a bit of an awakening during the pandemic and work also now for a climate change nonprofit. Um, and it, this, yes, you know, the, the, I have my own Dr. Nia Wallace, um, but I think <laughs> everyone at this point is just, I mean, now I get outfit requests from my straight broy colleagues. <laughs> so at this point, it's so interwoven with my offline identity that it just is, everybody kind of gets a kick out of it and offers perspective on. Now I also just hear everybody's opinions about everything Sex and the City related, <laughs> which is a joy. <laughs> Love that. It's always good to have a supportive work environment. It really is. It really is. So you've recreated many of Carrie's outfits 
which outfits are you excited to create from and just like that? And which ones stress you out at the prospect of it? Oh my gosh. Well, I was very stressed when the paparazzi pictures were coming out because a lot of them were the outfits from her like kind of post hip surgery or grief, like where she kind of lost herself. And that was stressful because those outfits don't necessarily lend themselves to drag reinterpretation. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> But the things that I get so excited for, I mean, her funeral look was epic beyond epic um and a couple episodes ago the look where she was you know walking on sunshine walking out with big's jacket over her shoulders anything that's like big and has something that you can drag is so much about exaggeration is very exciting to me and i'm very excited for this new look from this episode that like blue kind of return to carry min- it girl minimalism um, also what stresses me out are you a Kamali, right? Yes. It's amazing. Have you bought the actual dress? Cause she's been making those for like 10,000 years. Yeah. This was a rare instance where I forwent, forgoed my DIY inclinations and just went straight to the source. Um, and I'm super excited to have a shoot <laughs> this weekend. Um, it was just so beautiful. Beautiful, and I thought she crushed it and it was perfect. I feel like it had that sex in the city style where the outfit accentuates the plot point. Um, I was very stressed about the wigs going into the new season because this is something you can't DIY a wig. Um, and they're also very expensive, <laughs> but another shout out to your podcast. Um, I used zip to buy the wigs because like they are really anybody who knows anything about wigs they really are very expensive well if you want a good wig and I think what what takes you over the edge is the fact that you have invested in a Carrie Bradshaw wig which we asked to borrow from you when we did our (laughs) yes and put in John Early when John Early did a Carrie Bradshaw-esque fantasy sequence. Yes. Yeah, you hand-painted those roots yourself. I appreciate (laughs) that uh, dedication. The wigs are essential and having to buy like 10 at the same time because she has all of these modulations and hairstyles been very helpful to pay in for. So grateful to Zip. Um, But it's been, I mean, I'm just so, you had Molly Rogers on the podcast and it was super fun to learn more about like the inside scoop on their thinking for the new looks. Um, So yeah, it's been in general, just so fun. Yeah. Molly's a fucking legend. Yeah. Yeah. That was iconic. But you, like us, previous to this new series, had the luxury of time. And I can't imagine what your journey has been like trying to week by week create these outfits. Oh, it's been so stressful. I can no longer enjoy just watching an episode. (laughs) I live in fear of like a very complicated but fabulous outfit. (laughs) But it is. it also has, I mean, probably like you as well, um, kind of given me a little bit of excitement resurgence. And it's so fun to be in dialogue about something current, like not just nostalgia, but really to be interacting with people online and to um, see how they're taking on content. I mean, I think we've all played the game of, you know, what would Sex and the City be like if it aired today and what, how would they react to online dating and things like that. So it's been fun to find out, you know, how they would in real time. 
Totally. Who's your fave of the new cast members? I mean, I, for personal reasons. Have... Would you open the door for Che Diaz? <laughs> I, I would open the door for Dr. Nia Wallace's husband. I will tell you that. that much. <laughs> I mean, he. Who we so graciously got introduced to this episode, finally. 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 I mean, we got introduced to him before, but just in the bedroom, I think. Um, I love. Seema I really I mean there have been moments in the new series that have been like when Seema kind of called Carrie out for the you're still out there that harkened back to kind of these classic like single girl conundrums of sex in the city and I really connected I love Seema I mean LTW's fashion is beyond so I get excited just to glimpse at her like Fendi Fila and her you know asymmetrical giant shoulder <laughs> outfits um, and I I mean Naya Wall I love her role and I just I think they've given us some amazing moments um, I still think about when Miranda said, I'm not happy. I just thought that was such an acting masterclass. And it's fun to watch them evolve and see, you know, see people who we love, see their lives be disrupted abruptly or not be where they want to be or hope they would be. Um, So I think they're like tackling some super interesting topics. I too think of Miranda's breakdown on, on a regular <laughs> basis. It, it haunts me. Cynthia is such a brilliant actor. She's just perfect. Um, and I feel like it's also given SJP territory to explore in her kind of, um, you know, her grieving process has been fascinating. I'm also now newly haunted from this last episode by that psychotic, I have a toddler gay guy who screamed at them in the car. <laughs> Um, obsessed with him. <laughs> yeah, he really is an icon for our times. Um, so yeah, there have been uh, some really <laughs> memorable moments. Lastly, Dan, because, you know, we so rarely get to interface with people who are also in the uh, Sex in the City influencer metaverse, we'll call it. <laughs> yes. We know that there's no way that we're not on the same PR list. So we know that you got that incredible and just like that influencer box, which was a gigantic shoebox filled with items that pertain to the series. And we just have to ask you, what did you do with your framed photo of Mr. Big? <laughs> yeah. Um, is it premature to replace it with a photo of that puking math teacher? Like, are we getting (laughs) ahead of ourselves to see a little romance, new romance in Carrie's future? I'm actually speaking right now to you via my Che Diaz podcast mic. Um, (laughs) That that gift box was truly like the culmination and highlight of my (laughs) entire life. We still do you have your shoebox because it's it's too beautiful to throw out. I can't throw it out, and I live in a tiny New York apartment, so it's basically (laughs) I just reorder it every morning and say hello to it. (laughs) Like like, you have to like explain it to every single guy that you have over. Wait, are they trying to force us all to be like Carrie, the girl who lived in the shoebox, in a giant shoebox? <laughs> and in this context, you really could live in this shoebox. In this economy, I may be living in that shoebox <laughs> yeah. soon. Dan, thank you so much for, for gracing us with your presence. Oh my gosh, thank you. I just look forward to every week, your pod. So it's an honor to be joining you. 
And everyone go follow at Dan Clay on the Instagram. Amazing. I believe that's at Dan underscore Clay. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, we would love to have you back at some point after you've you've had to g- recreate all of Carrie's outfits and, you know, check on you mentally. How, what a toll that took <laughs> yes, on Yes, if they keep over-accessorizing all these new looks. <laughs> so many purses. Ugh, truly. All right. Well, we love you, honey. Love you. Thank Thank you. you. Talk to you soon. Bye. You're really testing this whole not being a cunt thing as you like suckle on that gallon (laughs) water bottle. I really wish I had a trigger warning button. We really need to rip that sound somehow. Okay. I know you have enough things like that you're working on right now, but I really (laughs) think you should move that to the top of your list. That and the woke moment. Okay. Woke moment. <laughs> All right. The opening is Carrie's year of magical sad writing. Yeah. I mean, I loved the first scene of this episode. It was like a perfect montage. You get to see the seasons change. This is how we wrote our book in one beautiful montage. <laughs> <laughs> We were tagged in an Instagram story this morning where someone was like, we ruined their morning because we posted a photo of Sarah Jessica Parker filming this scene, which reveals that they're on a set. It's like you had to see this pic to know that. Okay, we're not being bitches. I know, it's tough. It's not even a bitchy thing. I have no problem with the fact that this looks like it was shot on a set. It's charming. I think this person is is mad that it wasn't shot on an actual in the actual brownstone, but I have to tell that person her apartment isn't in that brownstone. It is also a set. Yeah. We we also should try no, not to nitpick. Is it nitpicking if we nitpick the nitpicker? <sighs> Does true. it cancel cancel itself out? Back to Daddy Michael Patrick King loving to tell a story over a year. But he will be goddamned if he has to film in winter again. He's like, let's just get through these ugly winter months, okay? Well, it's a genius way of showing that Carrie wrote a whole-ass book without the audience having to be along for the ride. This also, I felt, was the most effective use of the title card thus far. Like, the way that the text came in was actually kind of perfect. Look, guys, we're being nice. Okay, now you're making it bitchy (laughs) by making a bitchy comment like that. All right, so Carrie is with her book editor, which I guess is a reality for people that write books in the same city as their book editor, but that was not our case. It was a lot of Zooming and and calls and opening up Word documents that had embedded notes. We didn't get to see our book editor hold up our manuscript and go, look, actual tears. (laughs) Also, shout out to our amazing editor and fan of the pod, Kate Napolitano, who is like much less oppressive than this particular editor. Although she's not that, she's not oppressive. That's that's rude. She is forcing Carrie to write an epilogue that she clearly does not want to write. I know that Amy Sedaris got fired, but like, couldn't we have brought Amy Sedaris back? I know. Well, this does kind of this does mirror a plot point in season. When did Carrie write her book? Season five. five. When she had the sassy short hairstyle. Yeah, because they wanted her to write a foreword that would set the tone for the book. So this is kind of the opposite of that. How do you feel about Dark Carrie and her dark, sad book? I like it. I mean, I mean, we saw this coming. We we did. We did. This is something we called, like uh, Miranda being queer, we got this one right. 
that Carrie would indeed write her own Joan Didion-esque A Year of Magical Thinking book. And did you hear Oprah's considering adding it to her book club? Which I haven't really thought about the process of how Oprah's book club selections work. Like I think back in the day she was just picking books that she was reading because they weren't necessarily like new books. But now I feel like when a book comes out, it's already like Oprah's book club. Like that one I read during the pandemic about that whole family of schizophrenics. Like the person who tagged us in the Instagram story, you realizing there's no truth in this art, that there's a whole industrial complex to Oprah's book Yeah, like book Oprah's club. not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It just made me think about it. Anyway. We have our Rizzolian Isles of the Upper East Side shenanigans, LTW and Charlotte playing tennis. Yeah, I really enjoyed LTW's Fendi bucket hat. And I enjoyed Charlotte's teal Chanel vanity case bag. I didn't even see that. I know, it's a hidden moment, but you know, when you watch these episodes multiple times, you start to notice things. Um, they take on a bunch of octogenarians and beat their asses, <laughs> much to their own delight. I guess that's how women on the Upper East Side, that's their sexual gratification. <laughs> I also didn't see that needle drop coming when it's when they started playing Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> Look, this shows that LTW and Shara's friendship really has progressed because I think that exercising with someone is like the ultimate form of intimacy. Like once I read that George Bush and Condoleezza Rice like jog together every day before work and I, I still can't stop thinking about it to this day. So now we have Miranda at the farmer's market with her ACLU tote. So Cynthia Nixon posted like a photo of this scene on Instagram and I saw that the ACLU commented, nothing says New York like a fabulous tote bag. I mean, true. Shout out to their social media person. I just feel relieved that we are finally properly introduced to Nia Wallace's husband, Andre Rashad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he seems pretty cool. Loved the fit. He is a cheesemonger man. He's like, look, I got to get this cheese before it's sold out. And I appreciate that. Yeah, they're clearly like hot and happy. Miranda's like, if you were a drama, I'd be streaming you. It's like, yeah, we know. We, re we remember your Jules and Mimi obsession. <laughs> she is yelling at Steve, which it was, it's been revealed. The actor who plays Steve is actually deaf. Yes. And wears a hearing aid. So I guess we're going to eat our words a little bit. Sometimes, you know, the nitpicking bites you in the ass. And this is one of the things. So they wrote that into the show. Nice. Why not? Do they hit it a little hard sometimes? Yes. But <laughs> true to life. <laughs> yeah. That does seem like that is Steve's main thing these days is not being able to hear as opposed to like more of just like a, a little aside. He has all his hair. He's like a hot Brooklyn dad. I think I have the hots for Steve. I just am <laughs> going to put that out there. But before we get into the Steve of it all, Naya reveals to her student that uh, she is not pregnant and is dreading telling her husband. So she decides to tell her student first. Love an inappropriate teacher-student relationship. Also, <laughs> I think I discussed this with you personally, but not on the pod. I really would ship Miranda and Naya Wallace as a couple. If you want to write this fanfic and throw it up on the account, I'm I will I will support your decision. Yeah, I think I think it's hot. It's not hurting anyone, but it's still like transgressive, you know. So Steve shows up and calls the farmer's market bullshit, which I wholeheartedly agree with, and acknowledges to Naya that she's the only woman that intimidates Miranda. 
Which yeah, I'm, I liked that. Line. Well, yeah, that, good line for Steve. That fits into your hot fanfic between the two of them. <laughs> Steve leaves his wallet, and I think we're supposed to understand his bumblingness of like, see, this is why Miranda doesn't want to fuck him. But I'm like, I thought it was endearing and adorable. <laughs> this is the doofusication of, of Steve. <laughs> But it's not working. With Miranda, it does work. But with Steve, I'm just like, I would help him find his wallet. Oh, yeah. You just, you want, <laughs> you would live for that. You'd be running back to the squash stand or wherever the fuck he came from. No, in my fantasy, I'm the squash, uh, the squash monger. <laughs> I drive down every day. <laughs> Actually, my farm is next to Aiden's farm. And I'm like, wait, you know Aiden Shaw too? <laughs> Carrie goes back to her publisher, which I don't know. Again, we wrote a book on a different coast, but like, can you just show up? Kate, can you let us know if, if we were authors and we lived in the same city as you? Could we just show can up? We just your- pop in. <laughs> Seems like a threat. Is her book really called Love and Lost, a memoir? Not a bad title. I mean, I still prefer later that evening I got to magical thinking, but... <laughs> Somehow I don't think that that will happen. (laughs) How did you feel about the black and white stormy beach cover? I loved it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what what kind of book that looks like because I feel like I have read a book with that cover or some approximation of that cover, but it's not it's not coming to me. I mean, it seems like more of a, a Nicholas Sparks esque book about a widow who lost her husband who goes back to their Hamptons house and yeah. Also, can we talk about how giant this bag is that Carrie has in this scene? I think she's carrying her <laughs> all versions of her manuscript in the bag. That's why it's so big. Oh, do you think Charlotte and Miranda have to curb saying the word big around Carrie? No, because I think it's probably still all she's thinking about. See, if Samantha Samantha was still on the show, it'd be like, he had a big cock. And Charlotte would be like, Samantha, you can't say the word big around her. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Above average, gargantuan. Cock. Also, remember that time, Samantha, when you tried to fuck Mr. Big in episode one? This is when Carrie's editor reveals that she's being considered for Oprah's book club, which I didn't think would swing the likes of Carrie. You, of course. But... That would swing any author. That's There's literally nothing better that could happen to you other than winning like a Pulitzer or something. Right. And also, it's a half a page. Carrie, it's like 500 words. Uh, it's less than your Vogue articles you've written. But that does seem like rude to force her to go on a date. But whatever. Anyway. So then Carrie relays this to the gals. Seema is integrated into the group for the first scene. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when you go to Broadway shows and they're like, uh, for this performance, the Samantha role will be played by Seema this evening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nice, though. I think I think now we know her enough as her own character that it's fun to see her in the group. And the person who commented that Sarita is a bad actress on our account, terrible take. Untrue. Yeah, I disagree. Again, like I've said before, I do think she is inexplicably tied to Carrie's grief plotline, but they're starting <laughs> to get her out of that, right? Sure, I mean, if I were being bitchy, which we're definitely not this episode, I understand if you started a dating profile for me and used the photos that you've taken of me over the years, but how does Seema have enough access to photos? Is she just going on BFA and typing in (laughs) Carrie's name and using those photos to create a dating profile? Why not? We've jumped ahead slightly, but uh, Seema, since evidently the winter months is when no one buys real estate, she is staging Carrie like an apartment, which I thought was a great line. 
So the next scene is her and Miranda walking home, having an intimate convo. Even though they live on the polar opposite sides of New York City (laughs) in real estate terms. But yeah, sure. It broke my heart when Carrie said that the thought of having sex with anyone other than Big makes her sick to her stomach. Like, that's so sad. But of course. Well, that's funny because me imagining having sex with Big makes me sick to my stomach. (laughs) I also liked her roller coaster analogy. That her love life was a roller coaster. I'm, I'm glad she's that self-reflective. Yeah, and not like one of those Knott's Berry Farm ones, but like one of those like the Coney Island one yeah. where you think you're going to die every time you get on. And Carrie quite like Charlotte pontificating about that article she read in season four that you could only have so many orgasms. <laughs> Carrie posits that maybe she's had her fill of lovers. <laughs> she doesn't say lovers. I would have loved a lover callback. Yeah. Miranda is in a similarly dark place, sex-wise. <laughs> well, I love how she hears her friend being like, oh, my love life was a fucking roller coaster. Like one of those ones, what was that, uh, action park in New Jersey that like constantly goes off the rails? And Miranda's like, you know what? That sounds like something I'd like to do. <laughs> I, she goes, I'd literally, she, I'd kill to get back on the roller coaster. <laughs> Well, she also says, like, I can't believe that I had the most transcendent sex of my life and I'll never have it again. Like, my sex life is dead. And then Carrie's like, well, Mr. Big is actually dead. It's like, let this bitch just say that she hasn't been fucked by her husband in, like, literally years. Now, I don't think what I'm about to say is a bitchy thing. I'm just saying objective facts, which is we mentioned multiple times that Big is dead to upend conversations, which, I don't know, seems a bit unfair. But who am I to say? Charlotte comes home to Harry having a having a little midnight nosh and this is all to set up a doubles match between LTW her husband Harry and Charlotte Harry just wants to be included right he's like you know maybe you would see it in the future to invite me to a doubles match I don't know why he cares about this but sure yeah (laughs) let's play tennis I've missed Evan Handler in the show. Let's get him back in. <laughs> and then we have Naya and Andre in the car. And uh, as Andre says, the Stephen Hawking voice in the car reads a text message to Miranda, which my car doesn't do this. Does yours? No, but I think you can make your car do it, which is a terrible idea Yeah, never, for situations like this. Never have any apparatus auto read your text messages no absolutely not i loved the high strung gay dad screaming i have a toddler because (laughs) like i always enjoy cinematic portrayals of really like terrible parents and this one was just particularly campy it's also a, a great lesson of comedy that in thirds where it's like the third time he says i have a toddler i just i burst out laughing yeah it was really good but anyway, the, the auto-read, Miranda, again, fucking up as many lives as possible, intentionally or unintentionally. It's Miranda sending a text message to Naya being like, I'm so sorry, you're not pregnant. Hope it went well telling your husband. <laughs> I thought she was going to get into a car accident. I thought that's where it was going to go because she's like hitting the car to be like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. So now Carrie's on Tinder, finding a hot teacher slash widower. I don't know if she's on a widower-specific app, but I don't know why it would say widower. (laughs) That's how he identifies, as a teacher-slash-widower. Those are his pronouns? Yes. So now we have the match for the ages. Okay, LTW's outfit is insane in this, this scene, but I appreciate it. It's like someone has to dress crazy on this show. Yeah. That's not, not just Carrie. 
Carrie actually didn't really dress crazy this episode at all. They really pulled Carrie back. It was a real minimalism, Carrie, minus that gigantic bag. Well, also minus that first outfit that she wore that was the Gautier suit that I believe you described as like every character in Dick Tracy like rolled into an outfit. <laughs> oh my God, how did we not talk about the Paula Poundstone suit? <laughs> There was a paparazzi photo of her while shooting. So I feel like all the discourse we had about it was sort of had before yeah, the we, show. Yeah, we definitely came. already talked about it, but it's worth talking about more than once. I think it's a standout look from the season. Charlotte murder balls Harry and basically takes him down in her quest to win at tennis. Okay, so do you think that Charlotte should apologize? Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I understand. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I am totally on Harry's side of this fight. I'm intrigued that the resolution of the argument isn't... Right, the point is, like, I have to say sorry so many places that the tennis court is the one place I don't have to say I'm sorry. Although I do think she should apologize to those elderly women who she so savagely <laughs> beats. But... Instead of the resolution of the argument being like, I only have one space. Like, I am your wife. I'm a dedicated wife. I'm a mother. I'm a dedicated mother. This is the only thing I have for me. Right. I like how Charlotte and what's his name? Harry. Yes, that, that would be her husband. <laughs> I like how Charlotte and Harry were fighting on the street, which is such a legit New York thing. Because in any long-term relationship, at some point, you're going to get into a fight on the street. It's just like in New York, there's nowhere to hide. It's kind of like the same thing with crying. Like you always have to cry on the street. Like in LA, we can cry in our cars. But in New York, you're just like out. You're so exposed, you know? The LA equivalent to this is when you're fighting with someone in a a car at a stoplight or something, and then a car pulls up next to you, (laughs) and you just look over, and you're like, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Also, is And Just Like That sponsored by Fila, or... Oh, yeah. I did just want to point out that I thought that Harry and Charlotte were lit beautifully while they fought on the street. I just, I had to just take a moment and be like, wow, this looks really good. (laughs) They all look very pretty. And then they are caught by LTW and her husband, who allowed me to have one nitpick. I don't really see them as eating food on a on the bench but he, <laughs> he harry does say that he only saw ltw's husband which i'm sorry his name escapes me riding on the subway because he's pretty sure he's gonna run for mayor one day so maybe they're eating on the bench to seem relatable for when they become the first couple of new york totally they went to gourmet garage and got <laughs> got salads and ate them on the street real new york shit now miranda is trying to put down the old ways maybe let's not have dessert and maybe let's try to fuck Which I have to say, she pulls him by a belt buckle, which ladies, that is a primo move. That's a hot move. Of course. That's a move of someone that actually wants to fuck their husband. I'm just going to put that out there. But Miranda was not feeling it, even though she was the one who instigated the sex. It felt realistic. Did you burst out laughing when she said, finger me? (laughs) No, out of love for Miranda, although it was unexpected. I really did love that Steve washed his hands. Which I think some people probably thought was like a non-hot detail, but I'm like, no, like that's realistic. People in New York especially should not be fingering people with just like New York City hands. Especially if you've just been on the subway. Yeah. These are all things that I think they're trying to communicate to us. Like, look how clinical and bumbly unhot Steve is. This is sexy. He cares about my pH balance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then he's kind enough to offer to get lube. 
you know? Most people wouldn't even bother. <laughs> Although I do believe that there would be some coconut oil in this kitchen, but whatever. Nitpicking. Why do you believe there'd be coconut oil in this kitchen, Chelsea? Because people have coconut oil. It's 2022. I thought you were going to say it's your favorite lube of choice. Oh, no. I, well, I cook with coconut oil. Do you not? <laughs> uh, it's somewhere in a pantry. Yeah, exactly. Well, y- you can rest assured that if you ever get fingered in your kitchen, the coconut oil is right there. The music cues were a little odd. I think they're trying to signify like, this is funny, isn't it? It's like, no, we're watching the the (laughs) death of the sex life of one of our favorite couples. We have so few of them left. You've taken Big and Carrie out of the equation. You're now taking Miranda and Steve. I mean, I'm not upset about this. I wanted this to happen. Yes. Well, and then we have Carrie on her date in the infamous sky blue Norma Kamali. I feel like she has a fresh spray tan. She's looking hot. She's looking incredible. They do indicate that it's seemingly three months after the last episode which was fall which i mean i love this new york where it's summer weather in march but maybe with global warming maybe they're having a a hot streak (laughs) the date is not great initially but clearly it becomes great we just don't see the greatness i enjoyed that they cut from we should get drinks to post date drunkness where it's like yeah we really don't need to see the date we yeah. got it. Yeah, we, you guys had fun. We've all been on dates. They then vomit together. That's even more intimate than exercising with someone. And they both vomit. I don't understand why she doesn't think that the date goes well. I understand if you vomited and he saw you and that's embarrassing, or if he vomited and you saw it, but like you both did. Well, he vomited and then she was grossed out, so she vomited. Speaking of Carrie's date, how was your date? We never talked, I never followed up. I had a really rare, incredible first date. He goes to therapy. He's very emotionally available, which is quite rare for me. Seems like a catch. I know. And then Monday, I received a text message that just said, so period. And it's like when you get a job rejection where you're like, I really don't need to need the, oh, no. need to read the rest. But uh, turns out he's been seeing someone for the last six weeks. And, you know, he saw her the day after our date. And he kind of got the sense that they're going to become exclusive. But... Oh, God. He agrees that we had such a good time together. And as he said, as corny as it sounds, he really likes my vibe that he'd love for me to keep the door open if that didn't work out for him. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. That's fucking so rude. And just like that, I learned that even emotionally available men are unavailable. Oh, God. Hate this for you. Yes, I was. Did you respond or did you ghost? I'm trying to be a better person in 2022. So I was like, thanks for your honesty. Think it's a bridge too far to ask me to keep the door open. Yeah, that's an appropriate response. Thanks. So I guess I'm bringing that energy to Carrie's first day. And I'm like, this isn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, this seems great. You guys clearly had a lot of fucking fun. The audience just didn't get to see it. So next up is the school benefit, which I love that Carrie really didn't want to go to Lily's piano recital, but has no qualms going to this very painful parent school benefit. Yeah. Also, I want to note that LTW really slayed this look. She slayed this look and she slayed this bit. I really enjoyed the she's not talking into the mic thing. 
Yeah, it's funny that she's like so charismatic, but like when it comes to public speaking, just can't deal, which is, you know, the case for a lot of people. Well, Carrie, like me, tells the group there's no light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) And then Anthony's like, I shit myself once. (laughs) Which, (laughs) why does Carrie need to use the dead husband trump card? She goes, unless you shit your pants after your husband died, I win. Are we forgetting that Anthony's husband did just leave him? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Although I love the my body knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anthony is just such a breath of fresh air. Carrie, of course, in true her Carrie way, blames Charlotte for making her date again. <laughs> to which Charlotte goes, me, it was Oprah. And Miranda goes, just take the hit. <laughs> Which, like, I don't know. I guess it's hard to blame Oprah. Well, she also does force Carrie to auction herself off to the highest bidder. Carrie must have been drunk or something. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie must have been in the throes of writing. So So, Char and Harry, why don't I know his name anymore? Continue their fight. She makes her point about women apologizing all the time and then drops a really unexpected Demi Lovato lyric into the mix. Sorry, not sorry. In the words of Demi Lovato... Don't tell your mother. We're cool for the summer. (laughs) We're not being bitches. We're not talking shit about Demi Lovato. I'm such a... What are her fans called? Lovatinator? No, that's Ariana. Lovatics? I think it's Lovatics. I think she should apologize to Harry, but then also be like, hey, this is the one place I get to be myself. So like, I'm sorry I pushed you, but maybe we shouldn't do doubles anymore. Yeah, exactly. Miranda reveals to Carrie that she did try to revive her sex life with Steve and no pulse was to be found. Zombie sex. There's a lot of Walking Dead references. I assume a lot of these writers just binged Walking Dead during the pandemic. But I don't know. I thought it was kind of hot. He was kissing her (laughs) neck. She was pulling his belt buckle. (laughs) But all is forgotten when Che Diaz appears. (laughs) She's like, is that Che Diaz? And then literally turns into like the roadrunner from uh, Looney Tunes. Or is that Looney Tunes? Yeah. A wild Che Diaz appears. And I was thinking like of all the random times Che Diaz pops up, this is actually the most appropriate because... Che Diaz would be a perfect auctioneer for the charity auction. Che Diaz should be running this show. Should be the MC of the night. There's nothing that gives me more anxiety than a bad auctioneer. Do you feel this way? I mean, it's when people spontaneously start singing for me. (laughs) But yeah, sure. A bad auctioneer when you're stuck at a benefit is pretty terrifying. It's terrible. And then you just think about how like the charity's losing money and it's awkward. You know, I think Che Diaz could have gotten like 5k for Carrie because Che Diaz would have just bullied some like straight guy into paying it as Anthony refers to him as Professor Puke is there because wouldn't you know it even though Carrie wanted to date an anonymous fellow he happens to be a teacher at the school that Charlotte's children are at right and so she makes Anthony follow him around till he leaves which seems like unfair labor yeah He's just there to It's like, also rude. I'm like, this guy seems nice. Anyway, whatever. I get it. She's embarrassed. It happens. Like, sometimes we have dates with people that we then have to hide from. Physically, metaphorically, digitally, whatever. I mean, wh- what what are we even talking about? Because we've got the next Miranda Che moment, which I do relate to Miranda, where she's, like, really trying to make a moment happen, and then Che looks down because... 
they're talking to two of their acolytes. I guess Che's audience, or I guess a underrepresented audience of theirs, is the repressed uh, Upper East Side school mom. Well, I think that Che's comedy special, it's not really spoken of, like popped off Nanette style. So now Che is more famous and everyone has watched the checking the box or out of the box or the box special. Miranda tries to play it cool, which the one thing that Miranda cannot do <laughs> is play it cool. She says, I have to I have to get an Uber. And Che's like, well, why are you weird? What are you doing? What's going on? There's a, a lot of fluidity with uh, texting versus DMing because Miranda's like, I texted you. And it's like, well, no, an unanswered text is very different than an unanswered DM request because obviously they don't follow each other. Like maybe Miranda follows Che. Yeah, that's like throwing a penny into a well or something. Because as we know, Che has like 300,000 followers or something. Che hides behind the I did a ton of weed. I'm just going to like, whenever I fuck something up, that's just going to be my excuse from here on out. Hey, Chelsea, where's that video we were supposed to post today? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I've done so much weed. I just. I've done a ton of weed. I've done a ton of weed. I smoke a ton of weed, Miranda. I, of course, this passed me by. Well, I guess the word done is more inclusive of edibles also. Oh, okay. That's fair. In this scene, I was like, okay, Che is hot. I mean, and let's face it, I've dated a few Che's in my day. Che is my type. I think I was just a little turned off by the podcasting. And the comedy. And the, the comedy. comedy concerting. But this Che, I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're hot. Like, I fuck with it. Yeah, but I do feel like a lot of Che's language in the next two scenes is very fuckboy-y. Yeah. Because their answer to Miranda is like, well, you should have just written me again. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Or just like apologize that you missed the message. To be fair, it's like, ask Carrie. Miranda. Ask Carrie for Che's phone number. They've already fingered you. Or you're creepy enough. Just go through fucking Carrie's, one of Carrie's two phones to get Che's number. Hey, I got your number from Carrie. I enjoyed when you fingered me. Ha ha ha. Are texts out? Like, are texts the new voicemails or something? Like, no one reads texts. It's just DMs. Just voice memos. Anyway, then Che's like, you know what I want? To take you somewhere and take off all your clothes. It goes from jokey to, like, hot, sexy. Yeah, very quickly. Tat's out of town. Did you start taking your clothes off when Che said that? You were like, okay. <laughs> I really like to interact with uh, <laughs> the episodes as I watch them. You treat and just like that as an augmented reality experience. <laughs> and then we have the fight between LTW and her husband where she acknowledges that she's awful. And he goes, what do you care about if people think you're awful? And then she goes, well, how could you say that I'm awful? Whatever. The, the, the specifics are a little lugubrious but i do like this all felt like an i love lucy episode where it's like ltw and her husband have to match charlotte and harry that they also fight and then they get caught by yeah because no one wants to be that couple even though like i said again every new york couple has to publicly fight at some point i didn't even listen to this fight in all honesty because i was so distracted by this stunning flower arrangement that was behind them for the entire scene it's a nonsensical fight it's definitely ltw picking a fight with her husband but i definitely think charlotte and harry's fight was nastier than than the other fight but fine i think it's cute i enjoyed this i as i said i enjoyed this i love lucy kind of 
plot point between the two of them. Would I have rather that they were swingers with each other? Yes, but <laughs> this this is good. There's still too. time. Uh, so Carrie is auctioned off. She is referred to as a sex writer, to which I did not like this phrase. But you know, she goes a sex writer. What? Like I write porn? Like it's- she's writing dipsy erotic stories? <laughs> it's like Carrie. Do you know how much richer you would be if you took a Danielle Steele-style turn <laughs> and wrote romance in, like, sex novels? Also, yeah, where's the Carrie Bradshaw master class? <laughs> oh, See? I would live for that. If we were in the writer's room, that would be our storyline. We're like, guys, have you been on Sunset Boulevard and seen those master class posters? That could get us the new Carrie Bradshaw poster. Oh, yeah, that's true. Need sex? <laughs> it would be like Carrie Bradshaw teaches you how to write a memoir or something. Anyway, I'm sure you guys know what we're talking about because we've all been gifted masterclass by our parents <laughs> at some point in the last five years. I mean, I actually never have. Do you still have an active login? I watched the Aaron Sorkin one and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so the teacher is still there who looks like the actor josh radner just grown up i know he's the actor from fools rush in he's matthew perry's best friend as i have noted this guy looks like every man to me oh this is you know that song i'm every woman like this guy is every man I do love, so there's a line set up earlier that Anthony is like, there's no hot guys here, and I have a hard and fast rule that I don't fuck cater waiters, and then <laughs> he reveals that he lost track of the teacher because he was getting a hand job from the cater waiter. Love it. As one can expect, if they've watched any television show or movie ever, the teacher ends up bidding and outbidding everyone on Carrie, or I guess outbidding Carrie by $50 for a date with her. Yeah. Sweet. So there's banter between Carrie and the teacher. I'm just going to call him the teacher. But I love this Mackenzie Bezos journey for Carrie, right? Like Carrie marries a finance bro, inherits a ton of money, and then like Mackenzie Bezos, dates and potentially marries a teacher. Beautiful. And uses all of that (laughs) blood money that Big earns. (laughs) Doing God knows what. We still don't know. To enrich, uh, you know, schools. I mean, it's very clear this teacher teaches at the Gossip Girl (laughs) hoity-toity private school. But I like this fantasy. Before we get into the Che Miranda scene, can I tell you my fantasy for the ending? Sure. So we get Carrie on her feet with this guy. He brings her back to the dating pool. She, by the end of the season, is like, you know what? Dating doesn't seem that bad. Spoiler alert if you're somehow listening to this podcast and don't want to be spoiled, but Carrie goes to Paris to drop off Big's ashes She's ready to date finally. And then we just hear Carrie and she turns around to Aiden. Season two, baby. Oh, that's so good. And Aiden's not wearing a wedding ring. Oh, I love it. And it would be a thing that like only fans like us would know. So like, he's not wearing a wedding ring. That means he's not married. He's single. Oh, my God. Wow. I may have to ship Aiden and Carrie for the first time ever. (laughs) (laughs) And then at some hotel room in Midtown... Che and Miranda are together. Yeah, where do you think they went? Like the dream hotel? (laughs) (laughs) That's my guess. I would like to imagine in these, in the scenes between this, that Che is smoking on their pipe and Miranda's on Hotel Tonight being like, you know, actually, if we go to the dream, it's only $10 more. And and Che's like- The dream in Midtown, I'm sure, is never not on Hotel Tonight. (laughs) Che's like, babe, pick something. (laughs) 
Babe, um, let me show you my DM request. All of these women want to be fingered, okay? <laughs> so Miranda reveals that she's in love with Jay. Well, yeah, she's like, I think I'm in love with you. I've never felt anything so intense, which, yeah, checks out. She finally got the full enchilada. The whole finger lot. <laughs> she got the full fist. Oh, do you think that's what happened? I mean, <laughs> do you think Che travels with like has travel lube? I think so. Yeah, Che definitely has some sort of like black MCM backpack full of tiny things lube I was just and thinking... giant vape pens <laughs> and cartridges. Che's also probably like carries a strap like with them at all times. Che has those little pocket travel size things that look like ketchup, but of coconut oil <laughs> with them at all times. So I understand this Che line because Che's response to Miranda is, you're in love with you, with me. And I understand the line and what they're trying to go for, but that is some of the most fuckboy turn it back on the other person shit ever. Yeah. Yeah, I am getting fuckboy vibes from Che. Fuck person vibes? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's like not gendered. Like yeah, I know fun. it's gendered, but it's not. Um, don't come for us because we're being so nice. We're being nice. Again, we're suddenly nice like Sarah Jessica Parker's character in the second half of the family stone. Yeah. Where's my Luke Wilson? Where's my emotionally mature himbo? That's what I need. Yeah. Have you noticed that my hair is wavy now <laughs> since we stopped being cunts? It's so luscious. Um, it's all the water I'm drinking. As it turns out, my skin and hair have never looked better, even if I'm slowly dying of water poisoning. Anyway, I'm happy for Miranda. Thank God. She finally got railed. She needed to. And she's had queer sex for the first time. I mean, for the I think the first time was like half a time. So for the first time ever, it's a beautiful thing. And she did kiss that woman that one time in season one. I still ship that. But anyway, uh, you can't change the past. So then Carrie gets home and... She gets a text from the guy. Looking forward to date number two. Not the text that that asshole sent you. Keeping the door open for date number two. (laughs) See, this is my point. Is like, Carrie, you want to feel pain? What would have really happened is he would have texted you and been like, hey, it was great to see you tonight, but I actually had started dating someone else six weeks ago, and I think that's going to get serious. (sighs) And I didn't vomit on them, so... (laughs) But if not, I'd love to vomit again with you on a second date if we could keep that door open. And just like that, Carrie found a glimmer of hope. Yeah. Not I, but Carrie. I'm I'm, I'm happy for her. Carrie, who looked very, like, her fit in the scene we haven't really talked about. It was very chic. It was very, like, Audrey Hepburn-esque. But also kind of conservative. You know what I mean? Like, a hot, rich Republican. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Carrie does dip into hot, rich Republican territory often. And a lot of black and white. Yeah. Anyway, back to her glimmer of hope. Yeah, it was a, it was a bittersweet ending. It wasn't as optimistic as say the the ending of the previous episode. Well, you know that's life, boo. Yeah, you go up, you go down. You pick yourself back up. You know, it's as we were talking to to Mel Ottenberg about this week. Carrie falling on the runway really is a metaphor for life. We just have to pick ourselves up when we're down and keep going, even when Heidi Klum walks over us. Sorry, now I just have tub thumping stuck in my head. I get knocked down, but I get up again. That'll be uh, the next soundtrack to uh, LTW and Charlotte's tennis matches. Very nice. All right. I love you, Chelsea. 
Love you, Lauren. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.